2 Kings 14. In the second year of Joash, the son of Joaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadin of Jerusalem. He did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, yet not like David his father. He did according to all that Joash his father had done. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. As soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, he killed his servants who had slain the king his father, but the children of the murderers he didn't put to death, according to that which is written in the book of the law of Moses, as Yahweh commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, nor the children be put to death for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. He killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Salah by war and called its name Jokthiel to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, Come, let's look one another in the face. Jehoash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. Then a wild animal that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled down the thistle. You have indeed struck Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Enjoy the glory of it, and stay at home. For why should you meddle to your harm, that you fall, even you and Judah with you? But Amaziah would not listen. So Jehoash, the king of Israel, went up, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, looked one another in the face at Beth Shemesh. Judah was defeated by Israel, and each man fled to his tent. Jehoash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh, and came to Jerusalem, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. He took all the gold and silver, and all the vessels that were found in Yahweh's house, and in the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, which he did, and his might, and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Jehoash slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived after the death of Joash, son of Jehoaz, the king of Israel, for 15 years. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah Aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? They made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. They brought him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in David's city. All the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the place of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah, and after that the king slept with his fathers. In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria for forty-one years. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. He didn't depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, with which he had made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the sea of the Arabah, according to Yahweh, the God of Israel's word, 
which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. For Yahweh saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, for all, slave and free, and there was no helper for Israel. Yahweh didn't say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under the sky, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, and all that he did, and his might, how he fought, and how he recovered Damascus and Hamath, which belonged to Judah, for Israel, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Jeroboam slept with his fathers, even with the kings of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. So we had a few, few new kings in this chapter. One of the things that's a bit confusing with the kings is the names. I don't know if you picked up on that. Sometimes they're called Joash. Sometimes they're called Jehoash. Sometimes <laughs> there's, uh, you know, um, Joram and Jehoram. And it's the same person, but there's all the variant names. And sometimes the different translations of the Bible will have, um, <laughs> you know, one translation will be this way and one will be that way. So you've just kind of got to get used to it, I guess. So in this chapter, um, Amaziah becomes the king of Judah. He's the ninth monarch and the eighth king of Judah. Now his dad was the boy king who became the king when he was seven. And this guy becomes the king at the age of 25. And um, he um, is a similar type of a king to his father. For some weird reason, he decides to pick a fight with the nation of Israel. Now the, the two nations have been kind of cooperating, you know, uh, especially back in the time of Jehoshaphat, which is like four kings before this. He, but now he decides to pick a fight. So he has this fight with Edom, a nation across the Jordan down south. He defeats them and he decides he's gonna conquer Israel as well. And I don't know whether he was thinking, you know, maybe I can get all the 10, 12 tribes back together again. I'm not sure what he was thinking but it doesn't work and he gets defeated. I was thinking about this, it was really weird and, and all of the commentators, all of them agreed it was weird and no one could explain why and I don't know why either. It, it just is a really, really odd thing to do. The result is that because he loses the battle, the king from the north, King Joash, or Jehoash I think, uh, comes down and he, just, he sacks Jerusalem and tears down a 400 cubit length of the wall of Jerusalem. Now that's about 200 meters. And cubits about this much, around about 48 centimeters. So, you know, 448 is just a, a, a snitch less than 200 meters, and that's about as much of the wall as Jerusalem that gets torn down. So the city has no longer got a wall, and uh, that's something that will be rebuilt by this next king, um, Azariah. And he's another king that's got a name that's sometimes called different names as well. You just have to get used to that. So, Jerusalem, I was thinking. Thinking about it, how Jerusalem was, you know, attacked here and how the wall was torn down, and I thought Jerusalem's a funny city because it's it's called the city of peace, you know, Jerusalem. The word Shalem or Salem that's in the name means peace. It's the city of peace. Um, you know, Solomon in the Book of Song of Solomon's, he uh, there was a Shulamite woman. Uh, the well, that's a woman from Jerusalem. Uh, you know, a, a woman of the city of peace. And so the city is supposed to be the city of peace, but it's incredible the amount of wars that Jerusalem has gone through. Someone I read said that Jerusalem had been attacked and um, conquered 27 times in, you know, in world history. And I, I don't know 
if it's true or not. I don't know enough of the history of Jerusalem to know all the 27 times, but I know some of the times. And one of the times is right here. Another one of the times is when the Babylonians come. Another one of the times is when the Romans come. I know the Persians um, come. I know the Greeks take Jerusalem peacefully in the time of Alexander the Great. So there's a lot of changing. You know, in recent times, the, the Turks have controlled Jerusalem, the Ottoman Empire. I mean, a lot of different, the Arabs, you know, a lot of different people of history have attacked and controlled Jerusalem. It's a funny to have a city called the City of Peace, and yet it's been the site of so much war. So it occurs to me why it's called the City of Peace. is because it's the place where the Lord Jesus comes from, and he's the King of Peace, the Prince of Peace. It's called the City of Peace because out of Jerusalem we have the peace that you cannot have taken away, the peace that passes understanding, the Lord of Peace that rules the earth. He came out of Jerusalem. You know, that's where he went to the cross. That's where he paid his life for us. So it's called the city of peace because of what Christ does, not because it's a peaceful place, which it never was. And some people, you know, they say, you know, there's a lot of this end time talk that's always going on and people say, oh, the day there's peace in Jerusalem, that's when you'll know the world's going to end. Well, I don't know that that's true. I think that one day the Lord will bring peace to Jerusalem and I think that'll just be a good thing. I think it'll be a sign of the gospel having an effect on the world and on the nations. And we ought to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In fact, the Bible tells us to do such a thing. And uh, But Jerusalem isn't only a physical city in the world. And as far as praying for the peace of Jerusalem goes, you're praying for the body of Christ, the church. And in the book of Revelation, it says that the bride of the Lord came out of heaven, the new Jerusalem, dressed as a wife for her husband. So according to the book of Revelation, there's a city... And it's called the New Jerusalem, and it's actually the Bride of Christ, the Church. So when we when we pray for Jerusalem, for the peace of Jerusalem, we are really praying, you know, we're praying for the Church. But having said that, you can still pray for the peace of the physical city Jerusalem because it certainly needs it. So here we've got Amaziah becoming the eighth king of Judah, the ninth monarch, and then we've got King Jeroboam the second. He becomes the king of Israel, the 13th king, and he becomes the fourth king of the fifth dynasty. The first king of Israel was called Jeroboam, and now there's a second king called Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second, and he's not a lot better than the first one. And um, sometimes, you know, having a bad name turns you off wanting to name your children that bad name. So we all know that, you know, Jeroboam the first king was a bad guy, so we would never call our kids Jeroboam. So why did somebody call their son, you know, why did this king here call his son Jeroboam? So you've got, you know, Jeroboam the second. Well, the reason is because he didn't think he was bad. They probably looked back on Jeroboam as some kind of like national hero because he was the, you know, the first king of Israel, you know, after the nation split, they probably thought he was a great guy. It's only us that think he's not a great guy because we read the Bible. But remember, the, these books weren't there for them and they didn't like what the prophets had to say about them. So Jeroboam II was probably named after Jeroboam I, I'm just assuming. And it's at this point that there's a prophecy from a guy called Jonah. Now, there's a, you, you all know the story of Jonah and the big fish, and there's a book called Jonah, and we will get to it in about two years. <laughs> so hang in there for that. But Jonah gets a mention here. It's, the, it's, the, it's one of the other places in the Bible. There's a few other places where Jonah gets a mention. And Jonah is a prophet in the northern nation, and it was always more difficult to be a prophet in the northern nation because you weren't appreciated as much. 
And in the case of Jonah, he was right up there near the Assyrians. And it's no wonder when the Lord told him to go to Nineveh, he didn't want to go. We'll talk all about that in the chapters ahead. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this chapter. We thank you for the word of God. I want to thank you that your grace is upon us. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are to us the King of Peace. I want to thank you that we do have a Jerusalem, the city of peace. I thank you it's the church. And I thank you that as the church grows and the world is filled with Christians, that there will be more and more peace. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace is upon us. But I also want to pray today for the peace of Jerusalem, the physical city. Lord, we, we see so much turmoil and chaos there. And we ask, Lord, for the gospel to prevail in that land. We pray for people to know Christ. We ask for Arabs to know Christ. Lord, we ask for Palestinians to come to know Christ. We ask for Jews to come to know Christ. We ask for secular Jews to come to know Christ. We ask for Christians to be a light and salt in that community. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would cause people to grow in grace and to love one another. Lord, we know that the gospel can bring peace. We ask it would do so in the land of Israel. In Jesus' name, amen.